Hey everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, this is kind of the start of our panel discussion. We're really excited over through throughout the this semester we've been, we had that box um, in the back near the sound booth and you submitted a bunch of questions that you'd like to be answered. And uh, we took all those questions and compiled them and put together. And then we had some of our leaders were willing to answer some of those questions for you. Um, and we're really excited. So we have Julie, Gunnar and Leah here with us. Um, and we're really excited. So I'm gonna open this up with prayer real quick. Um, and uh, then we'll just get right into it. Father God, I thank you so much for these students, and I thank you so much for these leaders who are willing to take time out of their, their day to, to answer these questions, some, some difficult questions and some, some lighthearted questions. I hope that we're able to have fun. Most of all, I hope that all the answers are, are spoken um, from you, that each of these leaders are able to rely on you, Lord, as, as uh, their answers are, are come through so that these students may understand. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and go through each, you know, each person here. And I'm going to start with Julie. And we're going to go ahead and um, start with a kind of an icebreaker question. All right. So Julie, if you had to choose, which color represents God and why? Oh, which color represents God? I would have to say white or a light. Um, I think of, of clouds coming in, the sun breaks through, and how the light comes through those clouds. I just always see, think of God when I see that. And then white also just for his perfection and his lack of sin and his life and, and Jesus. And um, yeah, I just have to say white. Oh yeah, sure. White <laughs> is a color that's used in, in scripture for cleanliness too. So I, I like that. It's a good answer. How about you, Gunnar? Right, thank you. If, uh, yeah, if you, had to, if you had to choose a color to represent God, what would you choose and why? When I first heard about this question, I might went to white as well, but then I kind of thought about it more. And as far as just kind of thinking of a different answer, I, I thought yellow was a color, not just because I'm wearing it, but um, <laughs> the idea of yellow as conveying joy and energy and radiance, and at the same time, a kind of intensity. Um, I think all of that is part of how I think about God as being both the epitome of joy and light and brilliance, but also having this sort of intensity that's in truth very demanding, but rightly so. Um, and so I think yellow kind of catches a couple of those pieces. Yeah, well, that's a good answer. I like that. I like that a lot. What about for you, Leah? If you could choose a color to represent God, what would it be and why? I actually had a combination of both Julie and Gunnar's answers. I <laughs> had a hard time choosing one. Mainly right. because I thought white was going to be the primary answer that everyone selected. Just, you know, as we've discussed, of it kind of is, represents purity and cleanliness. And um, so I initially went to white. Um, but like Gunnar, I wanted to choose a secondary color. And yellow was also my secondary color. Um, because to me, I like feel a sense of warmth um, and joy with it. Um, so I'd say yellow or white as well. All right, perfect. I think those are good answers. I like that. So now that we've kind of got into our um, kind of icebreaker question, we're going to get into kind of the meat of the questions here. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to start with, again, we're going to start with Julie, and then we're just going to kind of go down the line. And we're going to start with sort of basic categories. Um, 
So there'll be like personal life questions, general life questions, and then questions that are like more theological. So I'm going to start with a personal life sort of question. Um, that would be more just kind of for something personal. So Julie, what is the purpose of living? Is it to die or something else? I, I would say something else. Um, I think the purpose of, of living is loving, um, loving each other and showing love and seeking truth in yourself, seeking truth with um, others, and also sharing God's truth through your actions and showing love through your actions, um, whether it's writing a, a note, praying for people, um, showing random acts of kindness, um, and in this in this time here to to do drive-by birthday parties, just to, to show your love, and that that shows God's love if you show love, because that helps other people look at you and go, "Wow, what? Why is that person doing those things? What motivates them to show that love?" And it's from God, and I think it's also a way to bring people to God if they are not um, believers. Yeah. No, I get that. That's definitely good. Did anybody else else have anything to add to that? Or are we looking good? I, I like it. It's a good answer. I could, I would say that's a question I've had. Um, I was a philosophy major in college, so we always are asking really good, deep questions like that. Um, but I think there's a lot of places that question can come from. And one place it came from for me is a lot of the time in the church, I think we talk a lot about heaven. And there can be this sense of, well, what's the point of my life if I'm just going to die and float away to heaven someday and live with God? And that's, that's what it's about. And I think for me, spending more time in scripture, I really realized that the Bible is a story of resurrection, and that's a bodily resurrection. So there's a sense in which God really cares about the physical life we lead and the life we live now. And that even when we die, yes, we'll be with Jesus, but we're going to be raised anew in him. And then we will be living with him in the new heavens and new earth. So I think the idea that when I would ask that question, when I was growing up, it was often a question of, well, if the point is heaven, then why do I need to live my life in the interim? And I think the idea for me is, no, the point is resurrection and that's life with God. And we can live life with God right now. Yeah. So you'd say that, short answer is the purpose of life is to live it for god live it with god loving god and loving others and the first two commandments so absolutely yeah yeah for sure okay perfect we're gonna go on to the next question we're gonna go to gunner again here um what do you do when you feel abandoned unloved or alone in the journey of life hmm. I think there's a couple different things I do, and some of them are healthier than others. Um, sometimes I try to escape by immersing myself in things like YouTube or playing music um, or just wasting time. And some of those things are better on a given day than other things. I don't think watching YouTube is a bad habit, but for me, it can become kind of an all-consuming default. Um, when it comes to music, that can be a really healthy outlet, but it can also breed a lot of frustration and it ends up just being a way of getting away from things versus actually developing as a person. So I think there's a lot of things that I turn to that sometimes are in moderation and are healthy. And other times I turn to things that are really 
kind of idols in my life that I think this is the thing that's going to make me feel like I belong or feel accepted um, or feel recognized or part of a community. Um, one of the things I think that's best is talking to other believers about it. Um, I'm really grateful for the friendships that God's placed in my life of people I can let know when I'm feeling alone or when I'm feeling really down and maybe I don't even realize how down I am, but when I talk to them, it kind of comes to the surface and I realize there's been a lot going on. Um, so I think communicating those things to people that you trust and that really care about you, especially other believers, is a really healthy step. Um, another thing I do that I've started doing more often um, as part of my daily devos is I'm, I go through the Psalms and I've really found that Psalms of lament and Psalms of asking God to intercede in my life and meet me where I'm at, I find that going to the scripture that can really help give voice to a lot of those things that maybe I don't have words for. So I think communicating with others in the church, other believers, as well as friends you trust who are wise, um, and then praying the Psalms and bringing that to God in that way, those are some things that have been more constructive, I think, as far as dealing with that sort of loneliness. Yeah, no, definitely. No, seek others, seek that community. And, and I, and I definitely get what you're saying when you just like go to like your typical, like hobby outlet, like YouTube or music or something. I, I think we all kind of uh, get stuck into that sometimes. So I like the way that you, you pointed to that. So, all right, Leah, how do you deal with depression? Um, I thought this one was a really good question because I think it's something that um, we have this like preconceived notion that it's bad and that it can't be talked about and that we have to be secretive about it. And it's something that really hits home for me. I know in past years we've had this question on panel um, and it's something that I always think that can be discussed. There's never like enough. You can't like we, you know, have discussed it before. Well, I think it's always something that can be a good reminder to people that um, if you feel that you're struggling with depression, that you don't a need to feel ashamed because I would say that a lot more students and youth deal with it than is made to the public eye. Um, and having gone through it firsthand when I was younger and learning how to deal with it, I remember feeling a lot of that shame and back then it wasn't okay to talk about it. Um, and so I always encourage any student that I come in contact with or that's maybe come to me um, in regards to that they think they may be suffering from depression or they can't tell if they're just sad or actually have depression um, that, you know, some people do need medicine or some people do need therapy and, you know, that's not for any human to decide besides yourself. I can't speak on that. But um, for me, one thing coming into my adulthood and after my late teen years, um, the one thing that helped me was like trying to just become more firm in my faith. Um, not to say that, you know, it's not good to speak to a professional or something along those lines. But I think a big thing for me that I never thought would help was becoming stronger in my faith because I think along with depression, you can feel this like emptiness and like despair that is seems so overwhelming that there's no way to get out of it. Um, and for me, turning to God and remembering his like relentless love for me um, has been something that into my adulthood through the really tough years that we go through as teens um, 
allowed me to realize that there's a bigger purpose and that things will be okay and that they're regardless of if I feel alone or down or hopeless that there is something bigger out there that I that is beyond my control and so for me um, like I said I I don't think that it's you know it's each person's personal choice if they feel that they need to get medicine or therapy but I do think that it's something really important to remember that it's not spoken about enough that um, to really delve into into whether it's scripture or you know worshiping through music or however you strengthen your relationship with God but to turn to that and make that your focus yeah no definitely no that's a so basically we're if you need to talk somebody to talk to somebody don't be afraid to talk to somebody um, obviously seeking God growing closer in your faith because God is the great comforter so yeah no I think that's a good answer. Did anybody have anything they wanted to add to that from their experience? Or? I can say that I have experienced some of that stuff when I was in at elementary school and getting into middle school. So even your leaders, some of us have experienced it in different ways. And a lot of people experience it in very different ways. Um, but there is a sort of community in and of itself and part of being the church is bearing one another's burdens in that way. And so don't think your leader feels burdened by you sharing that with them. They, it's a joy for them to be able to pray with you through that and to see you come forward with that if that's something that you're experiencing. Um, so I, I just would definitely encourage any students that are asking that question, whether or not they submitted that specific question feel free to talk to your leaders or a leader you're comfortable with because we want to be here for you and praying through that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. Um, one more sort of personal life question for this discussion this time. I'm going to ask Julie, how do I approach my parents with sensitive and personal issues? Um, I'm going to speak from where my, where my kids, it's been a long time since I've lived with my parents, but, um, and dealing with my children, um, we have a very open relationship um, with both of the kids. And so we just encourage them to talk to us about anything and everything because we know what it's like, um, many situations and some of the things that they're going through, we can still relate back to what, they're going through and that it's just important that it's natural to to um be curious about things um it's how you choose to act on them or not um that you're going to make mistakes and that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from those mistakes um so we just i think the best thing that you know, as, as teens, if you can go to your parents to talk to them and just say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Um, please don't be mad at me. This is the way things are. Can we have a conversation about this? And if it's not comfortable with parents, then go to your leaders, go to a teacher, go to, go to someone that has had experience that you can talk through these situations with um, from a different perspective than yourself and or your friends. I just think it's it's just so important that 
if you're holding these things inside that it can it can explode it can become to bigger things it can lead to bigger things when it doesn't really need to if you're having a conversation um, around some of these these natural things that you're curious about as teenagers that you just want to talk to with someone to see if how you're feeling is normal to see how to handle situations that maybe you have found yourself in or potentially could find yourself in um, and just dealing with those things before they arise. So talk to someone would be the big thing about um, these difficult things in life that, that are normal. It's normal to have difficulties as teenagers, especially as you're becoming juniors and seniors in high school, you're kind of torn between, okay, am I a kid or am I an adult? And, you know, going back and forth and not quite sure how to feel about having restrictions or why don't you know. So just being able to have a conversation. And I just encourage the students, you students, to go out and talk to your leaders, talk to someone um, about these things. Yeah. No, definitely. So, uh, you know, go to somebody that you trust, somebody that you know that you're comfortable talking to, somebody that you trust that you've developed that relationship with. So, yeah, no, I definitely get that. Um, you know, whether it's something that you did yourself that you may have screwed up or you know, just something that happened. So, yeah, no, I definitely get that. I like that, like that answer. So, um, we're going to move on to another sort of category. Uh, so now we just did sort of a personal life sort of perspective on questions. Now we're going to go into more general life questions. Um, and this one's going to be for Gunner. What do you do when your friend is making a bad decision and does not listen when you try to tell them? Good question. I think a lot of it depends on where you and your friend are at in your relationship, as well as whether or not that person is a believer. Um, some friends, when they make bad decisions, they're a good enough friend of yours that you going to them directly is going to be sufficient for them to really rethink what they're doing. There are other friends that maybe you're pretty good friends, but this is something they really care about and they're not gonna take you by yourself as seriously. In which case, if they're a believer, I think biblically, Jesus says to come with another person, someone else who's a believer and says, I also see what this person's seeing. We really think you're making a mistake and we care about you. That's why we want to hold you accountable to this. And if they still won't hear you, maybe bring a third person or bring in an adult. Um, in the church, there's designed to be structures of accountability where we're called to be a body, where we hold each other accountable. And at a certain point, if we're not willing to be held accountable, we're kind of saying we don't want to be part of the body. So keeping each other in, a, in check in that way is I think part of what it means to be part of the family of Christ. For friends who aren't believers, they don't necessarily have that same accountability. So it's still you as a friend, and I think that's still a good model, bringing a mutual friend and saying, hey, we both are concerned about you. But at a certain point, it's always, it, it, it can always be a good idea to consider escalating it to an adult or someone else who's got more of a um, handle on this whole situation. So if it's something with sports, maybe bring it to an assistant coach or a leader on your team or the coach themselves if it really gets serious. Um, and if you 
don't trust a particular person, go to the next person that you do trust to address the issue with you. So there are structures of accountability, both within the church and outside of the church and your school and your community. Um, and it's finding a leader or someone who can help you hold that person accountable because you care about them, not because you're trying to get them in trouble, but because you really care about their well-being. Um, and I think communicating that as you're talking with them is very valuable too. So they know you're not just trying to hassle them. You're not trying to get them riled up. You actually care about them and want what's best for them. Yeah, no, sure. Um, I like how you kind of like correlated what God has in scripture works for just life and not just in the church, but works for everything. Um, and just how to go about life, um, even when dealing with non-believers. So um, I, I like that sort of that sort of correlation there. So Leah, when should people start dating? Is it normal to date for a little while and then break up as a teen? Um, as far as when people should start dating, again, I think that's something that's is just kind of up to both well your parents or you um, I think that can vary for each person just based on um, where you're at with your maturity emotionally spiritually all of that considered because no one person is at the same spot in their journey of growth and maturity um, but I would say as far as dating in high school and dating for a little bit and then breaking up I think that that is completely normal um, Relating it to my experience in high school, I think that it's just a time that you are growing so much and learning so much about yourself and who you are and um, who you want to be and where you want to go that, um, you know, you can change as a person and the person you're dating can change. And, you know, we're just at such a point of growth and change at that point that um, I think some people are, you know, brought into our lives and stay there forever. Others, God brings into our life to teach us a lesson that we need to learn and, and that's it. And sometimes people don't stay in your life. So as far as how long you do or don't date or if you choose to date or not date in high school, I think that is a, ultimately a personal decision. Again, everyone's just at a different spot maturity wise, both in their faith and in, you know, emotionally. But um, I don't think that it's anything to be discouraged by if you date someone for a little bit and break up or if it's very like lighthearted and you're, you know, friends. I mean, I think that it just is, we're all going through, you know, we've all been there, all of us in this panel, we've been there and, um, you know, each student is having their own experience in high school and, um, you know, others may form a connection that stays and then you end up being high school sweethearts. Some may not find that right away, but I think it's all about your personal journey and to, um, it's okay to date people if you feel that it's fit for you, but to not lose sight of your relationship with Christ in that. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. The relationship with Christ should be definitely the first and foremost. So I definitely um, agree with that. And I know, I think we have a, I think we have a couple of leaders who are high school sweethearts actually. So um, yeah, <laughs> but does anybody else have anything to add to that one or? I think I would just put in a plug for if you're someone who is really wrestling with dating as a, as a practice, bring it to God. He cares about that, that life of intimacy that you desire with people. And sometimes friendships are what he has for us. Other times it's romantic relationships. Um, other times it's mentors and mentees. 
So there's different sorts of relationships that God's built us for, and it's not always a dating relationship. Um, so if you're feeling pressured to date, you don't need to feel pressured to date. Everybody has different kinds of relational connections they form, and that doesn't need to be the primary one or the only one that you engage in. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm gonna go to Julie now. How do you get over wanting to judge people, even if it is because they're just not Christian? I just sometimes have to remind myself that it's, and others, that it's not my role to judge. It's my role to accept people for who they are and try to ask questions um, to get to know them deeper because I'm not perfect and I know what it feels like to be judged. It doesn't feel good. It's not a positive um, thing that can happen. And we have to be careful because what we see on the outside might not be what you what is happening on the inside. Um, there might be some kids who are misbehaving and doing bad things and we judge them as bad people, but we don't know why they're doing those things. And so to try to get to know some of these reasons why I think are would help us to be less judgmental of others because there could be just deep pain inside and that's just a way that they overcome those pieces. Um, so I just, we always have to think about what does that feel like for ourselves if someone's judging us and what can we do if we find ourselves judging, maybe just asking yourself three reasons why, why is this person asking, acting this way? And that might help to get beyond just that first initial impression and you start to go judgy like okay there's three reasons let me think of three reasons why this person might be doing this and that might help you to understand that person more and get beyond being judgmental and try to move forward with it yeah no i like that just kind of thinking from their perspective and trying to get a little bit deeper into it as far as you know okay well what why might they be doing one thing that I, that I heard personally that I really liked was um, if somebody is lost, how can we expect them to act any other way other than lost? So mm -hmm. I like it's a, a good sort of answer there. We're going to go into more of the uh, more theological sort of questions now. Um, we're going to go into um, just kind of the functions and Bible knowledge of who God is and what God does. Um, so this first one is going to be for Leah. Why didn't God destroy us? Um, I think this is a really good question. And um, it's one that, I mean, I had to refer to the Bible um, to formulate an answer myself. So I'm really impressed. I just have to start by saying that I'm really impressed with some of the questions that the students brought to the table. Um, and um, I would say that with this, it can be kind of confusing because um, a lot of people, so the question is why didn't God destroy us? Um, and I think ultimately it has to do with faith, um, that he, if you have faith, um, he doesn't want to destroy us. So when I was thinking about the question, I found myself referring back to the flood and how um, God had destroyed uh, creation, but he saved Noah, Noah was on the ark because he was the one human left that still had faith in God, um, that 
God destroying us wasn't a part of his redeeming plan. Um, and so I would say that the ultimate, what it all comes back to is just our faith and faith in God. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a, a good, good answer. I, some of these things and theological questions are things that you can just talk about all day sort of thing. So I think that's a good summation of that. So, uh, Gunner, is the Holy Spirit also in animals, plants, rocks, and water? Depends what your definition of in is. Um, I would say short answer is yes and no. Um, God is omnipresent in that he upholds everything by his power. Since the fact that God made everything out of nothing is no less incredible than that he holds everything in being. Um, so the idea that the spirit is in animals or in rocks or in water, not in the sense that people would normally mean when they say that, would I say? So I would say no in the sense that people usually mean by that. Um, I would say that God upholds everything because he's the sustainer of what he's created. And so he's present to everything. Um, but in a very, very significant way, the spirit is in the church because the idea of what God is promising all throughout scripture is that he wants to dwell with us in a very, very special way. Um, and the paradigmatic example of that in the scripture is the idea of a temple. And a temple is a very, very particular place where heaven and earth come together and where God makes his home. And in the New Testament, we see that Jesus has made the church the temple of God. Um, so the spirit dwells in us as the church in a way differently than he dwells everywhere else because he's omnipresent. So short answer to the question, I'd say, no, the spirit isn't in animals, plants, nature in the same way that the spirit is in the church because only the church um, with Jesus as the head of the church is the dwelling place of God in that sense. Yeah, no, for sure. The, the church, um, when you become a believer in Christ, took the place of the temple, you know, back in the Old Testament. So I, I, like, I like the way you kind of wrap that up um, into that. So uh, we're going to do one more question, and it's going to go to Julie. Is God selfish because he created us for his glory. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that quick. <laughs> um, God loves us and God wants us to love him back. And so that is why he created us not to be selfish that we come to him, but a desire for us to, to try to create the desire in us to come to him so that we can be a part of the family of God and so that we can be resurrected and see him again um, in heaven. So absolutely not selfish. <laughs> yeah. You, you might say that because he created us, he's pretty selfless. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so That's my yeah, word for that question. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you all for joining us. Um, I think we had a lot of uh, good questions, a lot of good answers, and a little bit of discussion there. Um, if you have any questions about anything that was discussed here or anything that you want to know further, 
feel free to reach out to Aiden or myself, Eric, any one of your leaders, um, anybody on this uh, sort of panel here, uh, please reach out because we would love to discuss it with you further. Uh, I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll see you next week for another panel discussion. Father God, I thank you so much again for this uh, these group, this uh, group of leaders and all of these students who are, who are watching and asking these questions. Um, I thank you so much for their hearts and just uh, their desire to, to know more and uh, gain more knowledge of you and uh, the world that you've created. Thank you so much for everything that you do and for us. I just pray for everybody's health and safety. And uh, we love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.